Do you know how we know that life is hard? Because we just put in a ton of work to open up our brand new Harrison County campus. Can we just celebrate that together? And we are so excited about what is happening out in Harrison County this weekend. It was hard, but let me tell you, it's totally worth it because we know that the hard work is going to pay off in big ways and not just big ways. I mean, eternally big ways. People are going to come to know Jesus and their lives are going to be forever changed. And so we're really, really excited about all that's happening out there this weekend. Today we are kicking off a brand new series and the title of the new series is called Life is Hard. Now that's one of those statements that's so true, I don't even need to spend time convincing you that it's true. We all know that life is hard, but I want to ask you a question. Can life be hard and good at the same time? Now, I think a lot of you probably say yes in your mind, but it doesn't feel that way in your life. That when life is hard, there's nothing about it that feels good. And so, yeah, we sit in church and we ask ourselves that question, but in real life, when it's all hitting the fan and when you're going through a really difficult season, you may know up here that life can be hard and good at the same time, but when it's hard, there's nothing good about it. Now, when you look at the graphic for this series, I imagine that it reminds you of a company that you've probably seen around town or in different parts of the world. They have a very similar image, but they send a very different message. How many of you are familiar with the company called Life is Good? Let me see your hands. Anybody? Yeah, some, some of you have it on the back of your Jeep. Some of you wear it on a T-shirt. Some of you have the coffee cup. I don't know if you know this or not, but that company was actually started by two brothers. Their names were Bert and John Jacobs. Now, I imagine that when you look at that brand, you probably think like I think. You probably look at that brand and think, yeah, my life would be good too if... I owned a company that was worth $100 million, right? We look at that and we go, yeah, life has got to be good for them. I mean, look at how well they're doing financially, but you need to know that life was not always good for the Jacobs brothers. They actually wrote a book called Life is Good, and in that book, they described their childhood as perfectly imperfect, they were two of six children growing up in a family of eight in a 720-square-foot home that cost a whopping $15,000. They lived in Massachusetts where the winters were brutally cold and they had no heat in their home. To make matters worse, their father, he Spent a lot of time serving our country in the military. He served in both the Korean War and then also in World War II. But when the boys were in elementary school, their father was in a severe car accident in which he lost all use of his right hand. As you might imagine, losing the use of your right hand it made him a very frustrated man. He became extremely stressed out. And the boys talk about in the book how their father developed a very bad temper. Life in that home and life in that family was not always good. And yet, every single day, 
When they would come home, their mother would always ask them or say to them, tell me something good that happened today. And it was their mother's ability to see good in life, even during the most difficult days of life, that led them to create this brand called Life is Good. John Jacobs would later write, it's not that life is easy or that life is perfect. It's that life is good. And I'm telling you today, that is not just the message of Bert and John Jacobs. That's also the message that we receive from another man whose name was James, and he was also the brother of Jesus. James, as he starts writing to, to Christians in his part of the world at his time of human history, he's writing to acknowledge that life is hard, but he also wants them to understand that when life is hard, life can also be really, really good. Now, I know that may not even make sense to a lot of you, but it's going to make sense before we leave here today. Today, we're starting a brand new study in the book of James. It's a New Testament book, and throughout this book, we're going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus, but we're going to look at the teachings of Jesus from the perspective of James, the brother of Jesus. It's going to be a really interesting study because out of all the people who wrote about the life of Jesus, James knew Jesus the longest. But most people who wrote about Jesus probably knew Jesus for like three years. But James, growing up as the brother of Jesus, probably knew Jesus for more like 30 years. He grew up as the brother of Jesus, and he eventually became a follower of Jesus. And during their time together, James noticed something about Jesus over and over and over again. He noticed that life wasn't easy for Jesus. He noticed that life certainly wasn't perfect for Jesus, but, but he noticed that life was still good according to Jesus. After watching Jesus live his whole life on the earth, he became convinced that some of the best things really do come out of some of the hardest times. It was true in Jesus' life, it was true in James' life, and God wants that to be true in your life as well. I know that life is hard, but I want to help you see the hardships of your life in a whole new way. But because when most people go through life and life is hard, that they get down about life, that they start complaining about life, and yet James is going to write and he's going to say that, that you can still have joy in life even when life is hard. And so I want to help you see and even appreciate what God is doing when life is hard. With that in mind, I want to read to you from the opening verses of the book of James, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of the things that I've noticed about people is that people don't mind hard things as long as they know that there are good things 
on the other side, right? You can get through a tough week at work as long as you know that there's some good things that you've got planned on the weekend. You don't mind going in for surgery as long as you know that that surgery is going to fix whatever problem you have. A lot of you don't mind or maybe even enjoy going to the gym because you know when you go to the gym, you're getting stronger and you're getting healthier and you're becoming a lot less stressed out. People don't mind hard things as long as they know that there are good things waiting for them on the other side. In the opening lines of this book, James is obviously writing about some really hard moments in life. He calls them trials. Now, James is not writing about a hypothetical trial. James is writing instead about a very real trial. The Christians that he's writing to are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. You can actually go back in the New Testament book of Acts and you can read all about the persecution that they endured. They were living under a government that honestly didn't really like Christians all that much. If you look at those government systems, there were Caesars or emperors or kind of like kings who didn't really want people worshiping Jesus. Instead, they wanted people worshiping them. They didn't really like that there was a segment of their population that was devoted to obeying Jesus. They wanted everyone in their kingdom to obey them. And so they often persecuted Christians. They would try to intimidate Christians. Someday they would beat Christians. Some days they would arrest Christians. And in some cases they would even kill Christians. And so these Christians ended up running for their lives and scattering and living in different nations around that part of the world. And so in a very real way, if we could talk to those people today, they would tell us that life is hard. And yet, in the middle of this hardship, and again, it's a real hardship. This is not a hypothetical hardship. James instructed them, he borderline commanded them to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. These people are going through all kinds of trials. Some of them have been beaten physically, and so they're, they're hurting in their bodies. Some of them have lost loved ones, loved ones who have either been arrested and thrown in jail and forgotten about, or loved ones who have even been killed for their faith in Jesus. And so they're not just hurting physically, they're struggling emotionally, they're struggling relationally. These people have been scattered into different parts of the world, and so they're living in different nations, which means they've left their homes and their businesses, and so there's no doubt that they're struggling financially. These people are living through what James calls trials of many kinds. And I imagine that there are a lot of you who are here today, a lot of people watching online, certainly people out in Harrison County who are going through trials of many kinds. So let's just explore some of those together. We'll start maybe in the easy end of the pool. Uh, all you students who are out there, you just saw your summer come to a screeching halt if you were to talk to one of those students today, they would tell you, life is hard, right? But it's not just the students, all you teachers and administrators out there. If I asked you, is life hard, would you say amen? 
Oh, you love going back to school, apparently. I was wrong. Maybe life is good for you. I would have thought life is really hard for you. When I talk to teachers, they just go, man, you just don't know how hard it is. And I think, yeah, you know, I only get two days off in a row. I can't imagine how hard it would be to go back after two months in a row, right? But, but life is hard. But for some of us, though, life is hard because parenting is hard. And so you're watching one of your kids struggle, which means you're going to struggle. My, my wife always tells me that a mother is only as happy as her least happy child. And so if you're watching your kid and they're in a bad relationship, if they're making a lot of bad decisions, then life is probably really, really hard for you right now. For some of you, life is hard because work is hard. You dread going back to work tomorrow. Expectations are completely unrealistic. The people that you work with are difficult, if not impossible. Some of you are trying to build a business, but you can't build a business because you can't build a team because it seems like nobody wants to work or it's hard to find good people who want to work. For some of you, life is hard because relationships are hard. I don't care what your relationship status is. I mean, I talk to single people and they say, Pastor Brandon, man, being single is so hard. Then I go into my next counseling appointment and I'm talking to a married couple and they're going, marriage is so hard. And then I go into the next counseling appointment and it's someone who's going through a divorce and they say, divorce is so hard, right? Everybody understands that life is hard. But then James has the nerve to say to us, Consider that pure joy. Now, I'll probably have to explain that to you because either that sounds really stupid or that sounds really insensitive if you're going through something that's really, really hard. See, James wasn't saying to them that they should have joy over what was happening to them. James was saying you can have joy because of what God is going to be doing in them. We've all heard that phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That is why James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I want each and every one of you to learn something today. There are things that trials can do for you that nothing else in this world can do for you. And so when you look at trials in your life and you look at them specifically from God's perspective, these are not just trials. James said they are a test. More specifically than that, he said that the hardships of your life are specifically a means of testing your faith. That was certainly the case in Job's life. If you don't know much about Job, there's an entire book in the Old Testament that's all about the hardships in life that he went through, and it tells us a lot about his faith and how his faith held up in all of those trials that, that he was dealing with in those, in those times. Those trials served as a test, and they revealed a lot about Job's faith. In fact, that's what tests do. Tests always have results. And the test results will reveal to you something about you. And so a test at school for all you students, it will reveal to you what you do know, but it will also reveal to you what you don't know. 
If you go into a doctor's appointment and they want to do a blood test or a pregnancy test, it will reveal something to that doctor. It will reveal what is really going on inside of you. Some of you need to take a driver's test because a driver's test will reveal something. It will reveal what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. A drug test will reveal what you have been doing or hopefully what you have not been doing, right? But by their very nature, tests are designed to reveal things that you would not otherwise see. And so when you go through tough times in your life, you have to remember that these are not just trials. These are really tests, and these tests are going to reveal something very important about you. Now, whatever it reveals about you, God already knows it. But God knows that you need to know it. There are some things that you need to know about yourself. There are some things that you probably need to see in yourself that, that you haven't seen. And so God allows trials into your life so that you might see what you desperately need to see. For one, trials always reveal what you really depend on. This is what James is getting at when he talks about the testing of your faith. Now, I know that most of us who are going through hard times, we would say that we believe in God. We would say that we trust God. We would say that we even pray to God, especially when things are going rough. But the only way to really know if that's what you depend on is to do a little test and to see if that's what you really depend on. Now, again, God already knows what you really depend on. But there are times when God says, you need to really know what you're really depending on because some of the things you depend on are not very dependable. And so a trial shows up in your life and that trial reveals something to you. It reveals that you're not really depending on God to get you through it. You're depending on your mama or your daddy to get you through it. The trial shows up in your life, and, and the trial reveals that you're not really turning to God to get you through it. You're really trying to fix it yourself. You, you jump into problem-solving mode. You, you start trying to manipulate people and circumstances. You start trying to control everything and everyone because you think if everybody would just do it your way, we wouldn't be in this mess. And so you're not depending on God. You're depending on yourself. The trial shows up in your life and it reveals that you're not really depending on God to fix it or to get you through it. You're banking on your money to get you out of it. Trial shows up in your life and it reveals to you that you're not depending on God, you're depending on the bottle. You're depending on a pill. You're depending on something else. See, trials have a way of showing us something about ourselves that we might not otherwise see. And so my question for you today is, what are you really depending on in life? What, what have you put your faith in? The wise man wrote this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. A lot of you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. See, God doesn't just want you to believe in him. 
God wants you to learn how to depend on him because he knows that when you depend on him, life is so much better and it is so much less stressful. Jesus told us this same thing in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. He said it like this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus wants people to learn how to depend on him when life is wearing you down and wearing you out. But the truth is, we don't depend on him. And so we keep taking the test, and we keep failing the test. And so God allows more and more trials to keep coming into our lives so that we might see what we really need to see. God wants us to see you can only depend on him. You can't depend on them. You can't depend on this. You can't depend on that. You can only depend on God. And the trials are what reveal to us what we're really depending on. Eventually, over time, you will learn that everything else and everyone else will let you down in life whether they intend to or not. But when God is all you have, you realize in the trial that God is all you need. Now, trials do not just reveal what we depend on. Trials always reveal what really matters. Now, again, James said that the trials you go through, they are a means of testing your faith. So it's not just about what do I depend on, but, but the word faith is also rooted in this idea of what do you really believe and so when this trial comes into your life, we're going to test and we're going to find out what you really believe about what really matters. And so on the one hand, you've got your faith that tells you that these are the things that really matter. Your faith tells you that Jesus is what really matters. Your faith tells you that God's word is what really matters, that eternity is what really matters, that other people really matter. Your faith leads you to believe that that character really matters, and that the local church and the work of the local church is what really matters. And so your faith tells you that these are the things that really matter, and then you live in a world that tells you that these are the things that really matter. Entertainment is what really matters. New possessions are what really matter. More money really matters. Physical pleasure is what really matters. Position and prominence and power is what really matters. And so you go through life and I go through life and we're always wavering back and forth between what really matters and what doesn't really matter because we're trying to figure it out. And then a trial comes into your life and a trial has a way of clarifying for you what really matters and what doesn't matter at all. Now, Again, God already knows what really matters. But there are a lot of days when God looks at our lives and he goes, they don't really know what matters and what doesn't matter. And so God allows a trial to come into our lives so that we might see something that we might not otherwise see. I mean, because you, you thought your career was what mattered. 
And then you came home from work one day, and the wife was gone, and the kids were gone, because they got really tired of being treated like they don't really matter. You, you thought that football or the upcoming season and sports was what really mattered. You broke your back to be at all the events, spent all your money to get them to all their destinations and play in every single tournament. And then one day you walk into the doctor's office and the doctor comes back in and sits down in front of you and says, I am so sorry to have to tell you this, but you got cancer. And all of a sudden in that moment, you start to realize what really matters and what doesn't matter at all. For some of you students, you think that homecoming matters and what dress you're going to wear really matters and what are people saying about your Instagram photo that really matters. And then a real trial comes into your life. And you start to realize that the things that you used to care about, you don't care about at all. God allows trials to come into your life so that you might see very, very clearly what really matters and what doesn't really matter. And the truth is, without a trial, you're probably never going to see it. And so you end up spending your whole life on the things that don't really matter rather than the things that do really matter. Finally, trials always reveal who we really are. Now, again, God already knows who you really are, but there are times in our lives when we all need a little bit of a reality check so that we might know who we really are. Because the truth is, we all have a tendency to think a little more highly of ourselves than we should. And so at the end of verse 3, James said that the testing of your faith produces perseverance in you. And so I read that and I think, okay, do people have a lot of grit in them? Or do people have a lot of quit in them? But because the trial is getting ready to reveal what we're really made of and what's really inside of us. In fact, I want you to think with me about that word perseverance that James uses. It's a compound word of the word per and the word severe. When you are in a trial that is severe, you find out who you really are what kind of shape you're really in and what you are really made of. And so in my life, I was thinking, you know, sometimes I like to think I'm in pretty good shape physically. I enjoy running a little bit. I like riding my bike a little bit. How many of you have ever seen me out running on the road or riding my bike on the road? Okay, when you see me out there, do not run over me, okay? And do me a big favor, don't even beep at me because it makes me think you're coming my way and it scares me to death. I have a heart attack right there, all right? But, but in my life, when I'm out there and I think I'm in pretty good shape, the, the only way to really know how strong I am, how fast I am, or how healthy I am is to step outside of the normal and put myself in a more severe situation. And so I can't just go out and say, well, let's see how healthy I am. Let's go run four or five miles because I do that a lot. If I really want to see what kind of shape I'm in, I've got to go way more severe than that. Now we're talking about training for a half marathon or maybe even a full marathon. I can't just hop on my bike and say I'm going to ride it to work. 
If I want to know how healthy I am, how strong I am, i got to put myself in a far more severe situation. Like maybe we're thinking sprint triathlon or an Olympic triathlon. We're going to see what we're really made of. It's fall. I'm not going into the woods and killing a deer and throwing it on a four-wheeler and carrying it out. In October, I'm going into the mountains. I'm going to kill an elk, and we're going to carry it out on our backs, okay? We're going to put ourselves in more severe situations because we want to know who we really are, and we want to know what we are really made of, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. James says... That the trials in your life are going to produce something in your life. It's going to produce perseverance. And then he adds this in verse 4. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The reason that people are immature is because they haven't lived through anything difficult that will make them more mature. In fact, right now, college professors and all kinds of business leaders will tell you that there is an entire generation of people who are entering into the workforce, and relatively speaking, they are very immature. The question is, how did that happen? Their parents protected them from the hard things in life. A lot of parents ended up protecting their kids from natural consequences. A lot of parents, what we've given our kids everything rather than making them work for everything. A lot of parents will tell you, well, I just love my kids and I want them to enjoy their childhood. What's wrong with that? Well, now we have an entire generation that has enjoyed childhood so much, they don't want to grow up. And so professors and business leaders look at people who are entering into the workforce and they say things like, this generation, they just don't have what it takes. James would tell you that if you let trials and perseverance finish their work, if you let trials and perseverance, accomplish what they are intended to accomplish, then people would be mature, they would be complete, and they would not be lacking anything. We wouldn't be saying they don't have what it takes. We would be saying instead they have whatever it takes. You see, James understood that when life is really, really hard, that's when God does something really, really good. He's some days revealing things to us, and other days he's developing something in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. This is what Paul said there. He said, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God is not just working in some things. God is working in all all things, especially the hard things. Now, some of you, you know that, but because you can look back at your life, and as you look back at your life, you can see how some of the hardest times produced some of the greatest things in your life. In fact, some of you, you look back at the hard times, and you think to yourself, 
I don't ever want to go through that again. But man, I know that I'm better because I lived through it. I want you to know that this is what God does. God never wastes a hurt or a hardship in a person's life. God is working in it and he's working for your good. He's either going to reveal something to you that you need to see or he's going to develop something in you that you need to have. And I want each and every single one of you to come to believe that so that you might have joy when you're going through the hard times. Let let the hard times in your life grow you. Let the hard times in your life mature you. Let the hard times complete you. Don't sit around depressed and always complaining about what's happening to you in that season. Instead, I want you to focus on who you are becoming in the difficult season. This right here is the very thing that brought me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was in one of the hardest seasons of my life that I began to see who I really was. And when I started to see who I really was, I started to realize that I was a sinful man in desperate need of Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and to lead my life. It was in another difficult season of my life that God said, I'm going to show you what really matters, and I'm going to show you what doesn't matter at all. And God took everything that I thought I loved and cared about and he took it away from me so that he was all I had left. In in the tough season, I began to realize that the only one I could depend on was Jesus Christ. The hardest times in my life brought me to Jesus. It, It produced faith in me. It developed character and perseverance. The hardest times produced some of the greatest And that's not just what God's doing in my life. That's what God is doing in every single one of your lives. And so when you go through the hard times, I want you to have joy and I want you to see those hard times with a fresh perspective and see and appreciate all that God is doing in your life. Let's pray together. God, as we um, pause now and we think about the message that we have just heard, I, I pray, God, for those who are here today and they're having a hard time even listening to this message because life is so hard for them right now. God, I pray that you might take these truths from your word and I pray, God, that you might start to heal the wounds in their life. I pray, God, that you might help them to see the things that they need to see. Pray, God, that they might begin to see what really matters. They might begin to see who they really are. I pray, God, that they might begin to see what you're really doing in their life so that they can appreciate how you're growing them up in the midst of tough times. God, for those who are not yet in a relationship with Jesus, I pray, God, that in the hard time you would bring them to faith in Jesus just like you brought me to faith in Jesus. And I pray, God, that they might see that Jesus is one who can forgive their sins. Jesus is the one who can lead their life. Jesus is one that they can depend on, whatever they're going through. So God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would take the words that have been spoken, the words of James, the words that I've shared, and I pray, God, that you would just use those to minister to people wherever they are in life today. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.